Now, 1 Peter chapter number 2, and we'll get in the Bible here. And uh, I believe this is the time to be in prayer one for another. This isn't the time to be nitpicking people to death uh, that are trying to do their best to serve God in these days. And uh, I think it'd be good and be wise. Uh, we've got what Peter's going to exhort us here. Uh, we've got so many enemies within. What he's going to tell us here eventually, and we've been uh, just catching up just a little bit. He tells us that we are to abstain from fleshly lusts at war against the soul. So if we are in this strange land and uh, he's telling us all about how that we are pilgrims and strangers, we don't need to dig roots too down deep here because we belong to another country and we're headed plainly seeking another one. And, uh, but we are of, we're not of the world, but we are in the world. And, uh, so we have to be careful not to be affected by all that's around us in the culture and the customs of the world that we find ourselves in today. Uh, and so he warns us against all of those things, but he tells us to abstain from fleshly lust at war against the soul. Uh, and so his number one warning to me and you in strange lands here is not so much the enemies that are without, but the ones that are within. Uh, so uh, I think if we all spent a little more time uh, fighting the warfare that's going on inside of ourselves and trying to get ourselves right with God, we'll find ourselves with a lot less time uh, to criticize and nitpick other people to death. Uh, and so uh, we have to be careful with this extra time we've been given uh, that we don't uh, that are not we're not consumed one of another, and uh, that's what the Bible warns us against. Don't be nitpicking each other to death. We've got enough problems going on inside of you, uh, just right in between your shoulders, uh, than to worry about what your neighbor's doing tonight or what he's going to be doing tomorrow. Uh, so just try to focus the first warning in First Peter chapter number two. We'll just catch up here just a little bit and give you a couple verses here, uh, but we have gotten down to a little ways, but we'll stop and say verse number nine. Uh, we are going to look at our how that we're a peculiar people. Uh, and he says in verse number nine, you are a chosen uh, generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, uh, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, that would be a time well spent as opposed to uh, giving your not really very important opinion on Facebook about what everybody ought to do. I think it would be better for you to just call, uh, show forth the praises of Christ who called you out of darkness. I think that would be time a whole lot well spent uh, than criticizing everybody else to make yourself feel better about what you're doing. And so do that less of that and show forth the praises of him uh, in verse number nine that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If he in fact has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, or maybe all that you have is standards and religion to worship, and maybe that's all the praises you've got to show forth because you glory in appearance. Maybe that's all that you have. Uh, but if you've been saved and redeemed and you're chosen of God uh, and a royal priesthood, in a holy nation of peculiar people, uh, then we're not showing forth how great a people we are. We're showing forth the praises of somebody else who called us out of darkness that wouldn't have a hope in the world, that we were without God, strangers from uh, anything that he had to offer, uh, the commonwealth where he had no rights, no covenants, no nothing, uh, but just poor, dead, lost Gentiles without hope and without God. And because he's a good God, we brought nothing to the table. But because of who he is, he called us out of darkness 
darkness and into His marvelous light. And so we ought to spend more time praising Him that called us out of darkness and less time criticizing another man's ministry that you don't have any business being involved in anyway. Some preachers, if they would spend more time in the Bible and more time praising Jesus and winning Christians, uh, winning lost people to Christ, uh, they'd have a whole lot less time to criticize everybody else's ministry. And uh, so I'm getting no amens in here, and so I'm not preaching that for the amens. I'm preaching that because I'm tired of fundamental, funny mental, uh, so-called Baptist preachers uh, that think they are God's standard for the world to live by. Uh, you are nothing more than a lost uh, sinner without God and without hope, just like everybody else has. And so why don't you let everybody else have their uh, answer unto God for what they're doing, and why don't you quit trying to run everybody else's business and spend more time visiting your widows and taking care of your people and leave everybody else's church alone because we are independent churches and we are not controlled by anybody else. So your opinion about what I'm doing uh, should not matter very much. Now, uh, I'm going to get off of that and move on to the Bible, uh, but it, it just kills me uh, that uh, people in our day uh, are uh, attacking others the way that they are. Uh, I wish sometimes I didn't even have Facebook. I wish sometimes uh, that I, you would see a whole lot more of people uh, praising Jesus for what he's done for them and a whole lot less time uh, criticizing and backbiting and sharing things that really nobody cares about. And uh, But it sure makes you feel better. Uh, well, it's not bringing much praise to him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. In fact, what it's doing, it's giving ammunition to people that don't want to be involved in our churches, a reason not to come, uh, because all they see is a bunch of bitter, hateful, mean-spirited, uh, better, holier-than-thou uh, bunch of Pharisees uh, that have no regard or no care or love in their heart for people, and they'd rather worship a standard, they'd rather worship what they, uh, uh, and even if you were to show them it was wrong from the Bible, they wouldn't change their mind because of tradition. And so uh, I think in our day, it would be a whole lot better off for us as Christians to spend more time in our Bible and more time showing a lost and a dying world uh, the the peculiarity uh, that he's going to talk about, this distinguishing mark uh, between us and a lost and a dying world is that we have love one for another. That's what the Bible said. And I know holiness is an identifying mark. I know uh, being able to suffer doing uh, well and uh, being able to get through those things. He's going to talk about that. But one of the identifying marks that marks the Christians in this day ought to be his love for God's people. It ought to be uh, a love. Now that may come with having to be critical. You may have to make judgments and call things with like uh, that are sin and uh, Nathan did to David and uh, uh, you know there's times those things are necessary. Uh, but the distinguishing mark in the Christian in our day is not a suit and a tie. It ought to be the love that a man has in his heart for other people. And he's going to tell us that. So we are peculiar. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people. We are a bought people, a distinguished people. We, uh, we are not like any other people in the world. We are a spiritual, twice-born human generation. We are something totally different than this world's ever seen. We are, uh, uh, we are Gentiles in the flesh that have been grafted in wild uh, to an olive tree. We've been grafted in wild, and God, uh, because of the uh, rejection of Christ by the Jew, you and I have... Uh, 
the riches of the world, the Bible says. And so uh, we have uh, nothing to boast about, nothing to praise, nothing to praise ourselves about, and everything to praise Him for. Uh, calling uh, us out of darkness into His marvelous light. I uh, would much rather hear about that uh, than anything else in this world. Nothing thrills my heart more than to hear about how God called somebody out of darkness. I love hearing how God saved a man, where he was when God found him, and how uh, that uh, he uh, uh, had couldn't do anything to save himself, and how uh, he was just a poor, wretched, blind, no good for nothing. That most most testimonies that are that ring true, you know, they'll have the same thing to them. I was no good. I could do nothing, but Jesus came and done it all. And that have the uh, very common theme to them. And so I love to hear that, and I want to do more of my day uh, to show forth the praises of Him, because it's all about Jesus anyway. It's not about the Independent Baptist Church. It's not about the Baptist Church in general. It's not about a denomination. It's not about a creed. It's not about water baptism. It's not about anything else. Salvation's in a person. His name is Jesus, and that's a relationship you enter into by grace through faith of Him, and you will continue that on living together walking and talking with Jesus and it started now but it shall always be and it always shall be a relationship with a person and you've been brought together with other people to an innumerable company you've been brought together to the spirits of just men made perfect the Bible said and uh, not to the spirits of men uh, that were perfect because they are good people you are brought together and to this innumerable company brought together with people of like precious faith who were made perfect, who were made justified, declared righteous on the basis of the righteousness of Christ, away from the law, apart from the law. And so, hallelujah for that. I enjoy that. That just thrills my heart. And uh, I just, uh, let's see, verse number 9, we are peculiar people, and we should show that forth. That word's evangelo, to, to tell out, to proclaim abroad. And say, well, I am getting nervous. I don't know what to tell people. Well, just do what the Bible says here. Just tell them about how God called you out of darkness. I don't know how deep your darkness may have run. Everybody's was different. Somebody's darkness may have gone into alcohol and drugs and, um, you know, sexual immorality or uh, all kinds of wickedness out there. And then some people I've heard from, they got saved at a young age. They were young, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever the case is. And uh, they didn't experience such grotesque, grotesque practices uh, and those kind of rebellious sins and things like that. Uh, but they were still in darkness. They still had an understanding that they were a sinner, and the wrath of God abided on them, and there was no hope for them but through the shed blood of Jesus. And so you can tell a lost and a dying world, I don't know anything about this virus. I hear this and I hear that, and I don't know uh, much about how things are going to go. We, I mean, before it's over, we may lose everything. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows what all is going to happen? This country, uh, this may be the time God's setting things up to go just exactly like He said it was going to, and is Israel will be forsaken of all of her friends. The church of God will be raptured out of here. And uh, God will turn, it'll be the time of Jacob's trouble. And he'll turn back uh, to dealing with the uh, Jewish nation of Israel again. And certainly America can't stand in the way. So maybe uh, God's bringing this nation down to its knees. I don't know what the case is. But this much I know, whatever comes, whatever comes, whatever happens, you and I still have a reason to praise him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I don't care 
matter how low things get, how bad things get, we ought to still be proclaiming to a lost and a dying world, quit looking to the government, quit looking to Donald Trump, put your hope in Jesus or you will not make it. Judgment's coming, the end's coming. Uh, uh, you better flee from the wrath that is to come. And uh, so uh, we can still tell people, God's able to get you out of all of this darkness. Uh, this is a dark and a dying world. This is a, nothing's getting any better. Things aren't progressing. Things aren't getting better. Things are getting worse. We're going down. The nation uh, is getting worse. The the conscience of people is getting worse. There's no fear of God. There's no soundness in the mind of people. They uh, there's no fear of God. There's no uh, uh, all of these various things we know that come in the last days. Uh, but there is still hope for human man. For those that have been born of Adam, there is hope. And his name is Jesus who was dead and buried and rose again. And he said, behold, I'm alive forevermore. And so we are uh, uh, in him and so shall we ever uh, be with the Lord. Now in verse number 10, he talks about we've been, we're peculiar. And then he says in verse number 10, we're a people, which in times past were not a people. And I covered some of that, uh, but are now the people of God. And this is all based on the promises of God. Jesus Christ being the surety uh, of this transaction. We are uh, 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 based on Him. And I believe that holds true uh, even for the Old Testament covenants when we were looking at uh, the covenant God made to Abraham. Uh, it's not a conditional covenant upon uh, what uh, Abraham did or did not do. And I talked about circumcision. I did not believe that was a, a conditional thing there. I can uh, be happy to uh, debate and talk with you about that. But uh, I believe you go on to Ezekiel chapter 20 and other places in the Bible. Uh, God said, I made a promise. I made a covenant. I said I was going to do something and I am going to do it. But it doesn't matter what happens. And Abraham, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it through David. David, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. And I think it didn't matter what it was going to take. God was going to see it through because he made a promise. God has made a promise to me and you. And I don't care what happens in this world. Faithful is he that promised. He began a good work in you and he is going to perform it. You may try to quit. You may try to turn around. You may try Try to back up, but there is one that's got a hold of you that's never going to back up. He's never going to quit. He's never going to stop pursuing you. He made a promise and you may be unfaithful, but he will never be unfaithful. He will go with you all the way to the end of the world. If you'll just stay with him, you're going to come out all right. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, verse number 10, we were not a people. And so we had nothing, no rights, no anything, uh, but now we have obtained mercy. Thank God for that. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not all consumed. I'm surprised God hadn't killed all of us with a virus. We all deserve to die. I've never deserved anything but the wrath and judgment from God. I've never been worth anything. God didn't get a prize when he got me. I, I was the one, I was the benefactor of that transaction. Uh, God uh, certainly didn't get much when he got me, but I'm glad I've obtained mercy through my Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. That's what I was looking for. And if you're looking for mercy, you can find it in a merciful God who's 
mercy endureth forever. And verse number 10, so we are not a people, uh, but now the Bible says we've been grafted in. We are now, not tomorrow, not after the tribulation, not, we are now the people of God. And that is, uh, that ought to be something to hold your head up about and build, uh, have, uh, feel a little uh, good uh, about things and have a little hope in your heart because you're not going to be if you make it through to the end. You are right now the people of God. And that comes, <laughs> I wish I had time, but that comes along with some great benefits to be a part of the household of God. And so uh, we won't go into that, but uh, in verse number 10, uh, we're in verse number 9, we're peculiar. In verse number 10, we're a people who were not a people. Verse number 11, we're pilgrims. And this is where he warns us, when we're in this strange land now, we're going to have to be careful uh, because we've got some enemies. And the first enemies that he war- warns us about is not the Philistine in the strange land. Uh, the uh, enemy that he warns us about is the one that has waged war inside of your heart. And he's trying to take back the throne. And uh, this is uh, uh, kind of like Saul and David warring uh, in your heart. Um, the old man rising up wanting to do what he wants to do again. And you have to constantly keep him put down. I don't care how long you've been saved. Uh, it doesn't matter. I've talked to men well into their 80s, saved longer than I've been alive. And they continue to fight against the old man. And that is a fight that if you're not careful, you'll grow weary of. But it is a fight worth fighting. This is not, uh, he doesn't say run from this war. He doesn't say uh, uh, for us to give heed to it. He says, abstain from those fleshly lusts that war against the soul. Keep on fighting against them. Don't give in to the fleshly lust. Now, verse number 11. So that tells us here we're pilgrims. In verse number 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. You know what the world needs to see? This Gentile world here it's talking about is just talking about those that are without, those that are outside of the church, those that are not saved, not born again, not the people of God. Uh, He's saying, having your conversation honest among them. Uh, I think the world needs to see a church empowered uh, by its walk equaling its words. Uh, we have had more truth and we believe more truth and we have uh, things I believe as a as a, a church uh, about as close to this Bible as you could possibly get it and we need to walk in a manner that's consistent with what we say we believe. Uh, a lot of our power that we've lost in our communities a lot of the power that we've lost used to when people had times like this and you had hardships and you had people were scared and uh, there were wars and fightings and disease and problems they came running to the churches they they wanted somebody to tell them that, uh, when they got troubled about dying and and all of those things they would come to churches they would come to preachers and they would come uh, and we have law I'm not talking about here locally necessarily but uh, as a as a as a whole I guess I would say uh, a lot of people we've become lukewarm and so our walk doesn't match what we say we believe anymore and the world doesn't have any more confidence in us than they 
do than they do the White House. And so we say one thing and we do another and we talk out of both sides of our mouth and nobody has any confidence in that. I don't know about you, but I have zero confidence in somebody that says he believes something and then lives contrary to that. That is hard to respect. I, I can understand it. I know what that's like to uh, have uh, tendencies uh, uh, want to look better than, than you are. All flesh has a, a degree of hypocrisy in it. Uh, but I don't know about you, even with grace in my heart, it's hard to respect people that walk exactly opposite of what they say they believe. If you believe it, the Bible said Noah believed God. He believed God so much he started building. He moved. He got his family ready. He didn't just sit down and say, you know, well, I just can't wait till it starts raining. I mean, he believed God to the point he moved and did something about it. And if we believe God and we trust God and we believe and we we believe God's going to uh, never let the righteous forsake, never, never forsake the righteous and not let us, any of us starve and count the number of heads, hairs on our head. Uh, if he attends the funeral of the sparrows, if he takes care and feed, can you imagine what it would cost in human dollars, in the U.S. dollar, uh, to feed the number of birds that are alive across this nation just for a morning? Can you imagine the, the millions and millions and God's got the resources to feed the sparrow. He can feed the animals of the grass and the beasts of the field and certainly we can trust God to take care of me and you. Uh, now, uh, so any, anyway, uh, we're pilgrims, we're men that are not at home, but we are headed home. And so we need to remember that. And here's how these p- pilgrims ought to behave themselves in a strange land. Uh, in verses number 11, it should be that we should be holy. And then verse number 12, we should be honest. Uh, I, we should have a sincere walk. Um, I, I know people in our day uh, that, uh, that, that want to sing specials up in front of churches uh, on Sunday morning about how much they love Jesus. And they're doing things out in the community 20 years ago they'd have been churched for. But they think they're right to get up and sing specials in the church. And that's how crazy people are. They can live in the most despicable manners and feel like they've got the right to get up and get noticed and sing for God. Uh, I, we've, we have, there is people, uh, that, uh, I remember the old, uh, Brother Mitchell used to talk about how that, uh, back in the old days that they would church you for doing what most of us are doing all the time now. And, uh, I don't think we've gotten any better because we've relaxed our standards. Every single standard that God's worked, every conviction that God's worked into my heart and life. Every time I've slipped, every time I've dropped it, I'm telling you, and right here sits my family to bear it witness, it has cost us every single time. Every time. I, I, I don't think you can take it too far. You, do, you, do you think you can take it too far? Can you be too holy? Can you be too godly? I, I, I want to, I'm telling you, we ought to be, have marked of being holy, but let us not let our mouths run off where we can't live up to our own standards. <laughs> that becomes a problem. And, uh, I, many of us have seen that. We've seen people preach against everything under the sun and talk about and talk again. Not just preachers. I've seen people in churches. Boy, they, uh, they, they are so messed up in our day. Uh, and then they're going out and they hit the roads and they're doing the same thing. They just beat everybody else up for. I, 
I don't have any respect for that. Uh, but uh, anyway, so we should be honest. And then uh, they could behold your good works in the day of visitation. They can glorify God. Uh, you know, if the world sees an honest, sincere uh, a Christian that's walking by faith, trusting God and living the way he believes and the way he talks and is trying to live right, I'm telling you, the world, you will make a difference in this world. They're not, they're, they're a dime a dozen of people trying to go out and make a name for themselves. Uh, people that are trying to uh, get all that they can get. I'm telling you, jobs have destroyed people. I've watched people be faithful to church and flourish. Their Christian lives have flourished. They have been on fire for God. And then they get a job and they start chasing money. And before you know it, they get a little overtime and they start missing on Sunday night. And then they volunteer to work extra on Wednesdays. And then before you know it, that big career, that new job, that big advancement that you wanted is the very thing that robbed you of the greatest thing in your life which was the presence of God and now they just kind of in and out up and down not really faithful to church and uh, they just kind of lost all their fire for God all to make a dollar uh, we folks I'm telling you this world if you want to make a difference and you want to have something that's going to last I suggest what we be doing is just living right being holy loving people and showing forth this dying world the praises of a God has got the power to call a man out of utter darkness and put the light of the glorious gospel and the knowledge of Him inside of Him and put some peace in His heart. That's what we ought to show the world. And submit ourselves, and here's a verse we are trying to do now, to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. I know my kids do this sometimes. Some of my kids, if they'll come and say, I'll say, tell tell so-and-so to go do something. Um, if Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm, I guess I'm losing my mind. Go tell so-and-so to go go clean her room. And so one of them will go tell the other one, said, go clean your room. And then they'll come running back and say, she won't do it. Tell her I said so. And then when you go in there and you tell them daddy said so, all of a sudden business picks up. You know what I'm talking about? And so uh, if you go in the name, but some people will only be obedient if it comes as if, if the if the president were to say it. So what he's saying here is uh, it doesn't matter if it's the king as the one who's supreme, who's over all, or even unto the governors that are kind of underneath him in the hierarchy of the uh, government structure there. It doesn't matter who it is. Try and do your best to submit yourself to every single ordinance of man uh, and uh, do so. Uh, for the Lord's sake. Uh, we don't want to give them any calls uh, to think that we're a rebellious uh, a group of people. Uh, we are trying to do our best to obey, even the Bible says, unto governors as unto them that are sent by him. That I, be, I believe the king there, talking about the government, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. And so I think this is here, this is talking about situations uh, where, you know, they're not crossing the Bible in any way. Uh, but there are obviously instances in the scriptures that we have, um, and I was just writing some down today. Uh, but if you, if we, if we took time to turn there, which we won't, uh, you could go back and look at various places. You think about the uh, three Hebrews that were uh, instructed to uh, do something that they did not feel like was right. They didn't, God did not want them to do. 
They're not going to bow down to any other gods. They're not going to bow down uh, to that king or to anybody else. They're going to, they serve the Lord God of heaven. And so they didn't. And the king got stirred up or somebody stirred him up about it and went and got them. And the Bible says they were in such a rush to get them thrown in there uh, that they threw them in, bind them up, throw them in. And uh, those that threw them in got, <coughs> got affected by it all because they would not obey the ordinance of man. And they did not obey it because it crossed the Bible. And so if they come tell me that I cannot preach against Sodom or I can't preach against uh, certain things, then uh, I'm going to have to politely uh, just agree to disagree and keep preaching. Uh, uh, but so long as they have just in this instance, I believe they've tried to uh, do the best that they can do for health purposes. Jesus said, they that are sick need a physician. Um, I've wondered this, where are all the faith healers? Uh, where's where's Benny Hinn and that crowd at hitting people on the head and the you know getting drunk in the Holy Spirit and all that stuff the crazy stuff they do healing people and all where are they at I hope they're not quarantined boy that wouldn't speak well for what they believe would it uh, but anyhow uh, so uh, uh, we ought to just turn them loose on it who needs a, a doctor uh, but Jesus said they that are sick uh, need a physician and so anyhow I think they're just doing their best to try to contain the situation uh, as they see best to do so and so we try to be obedient to that because there's a purpose for it look at how look at how it affected them what was that in chapter 3 was it chapter 6 you go on and you see Daniel doing the same thing in chapter number 6. Daniel was instructed, don't anybody pray to any other God but the king. Is that not what the Bible said about Daniel? And you know what the Bible said? You know what Daniel did? He didn't make a big show of it. He didn't go out and stand out in the streets and tell everybody how great that he was. And and some guys just, they make a ministry out of controversy. And so they can just get online and get out in the public and be controversial and get a following and get attention. Daniel didn't get attention. He didn't go out in the streets and cause a big rebellious uprising. All Daniel did is just what Daniel had always done. The Bible Bible says, as Daniel had done aforetime, he got on his knees and faced God and met God in prayer like he had always met God in prayer. And it didn't matter if a king threatened his life or anybody else, he was going to pray to the God of heaven. And it got him in a little bit of trouble. So he got thrown in the lion's den, we know. And I think the king was so disturbed about it. Uh, he comes back the next day to check on him. And he's, he leans down in there and yells out and says, Daniel, uh, basically, is your God able to save you? And Daniel just cries back out, O king, live forever. Uh, the Lord God of heaven has delivered me. Uh, I'm going to obey God. And God will stand by those that will stand by the word of God. And we're just going to have to be faithful in this day. Do what we can do from where we can do it from. And preach and serve and pray no matter what happens. This world better thank God there's some Christians still willing to get on their knees and pray. Uh, they better thank God there's still a group of people that want to live holy and take a King James Bible and preach the devil out of people. We better thank God for some people that got a backbone enough to to get up and preach against us when we're wrong and preach against our sin. I thank God I got somebody in my life still willing to tell me the truth even when it hurts. Aren't you? They, this world better the spirit that now letteth will let till he be taken out of the way. And they think it's bad now. They think a virus is bad now. Wait till it gets to the point where God's taken his bride out of here and the church is gone and there's people the Bible says are seeking death and it's running from them. They are wanting to die because of the agony and the pain and the anguish that's upon the earth. And God will not let them die. <laughs> 
They think it's bad now. They better better thank God for a few Christians that are still alive and willing to serve God and pray and God spare this country. If my people, not the world, not the Roman Catholic Church that the Fox News outlets and media promotes all their Sunday mass and all that Sunday mess all the time, that's not the people of God. The Bible says if my people will turn from their wicked ways, the, the, the fervent prayer of the righteous man is what's going to avail it much. It's God's people praying that'll bring healing to this land. It won't come from President Trump. It's not going to come from the medical field. If this land gets healed, it'll be because God's people got on their knees and a holy God that's able to heal people. He comes down and brings healing to a land that doesn't deserve to be healed. That's the only way we're going to get healed anyhow. So whether we do it from here or whether we do it from home, we better be praying, asking God to heal our land. Amen. Now, (coughs) Verse number 12. Well, I've lost track of my time here. Verse number 13. Uh, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Verse 14. Or even unto governors, them sent with the praise of them do well. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel. O king, live forever. He's just as humble. He wasn't trying to make it, get a name for himself. Daniel was in no way trying to be a, get the one notice and get his name on the front lines of the newspaper. He's just humbly praying, asking God. And the Bible said, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you in due time. So that's what happened to Daniel. And Daniel was praised, ended up getting praised for that. Um, Daniel's God's able to save him from the lions. He's able to, even though that man had just tried to kill three of his best friends, is that not right? Three good friends. They got thrown in a fire and they look in there and see there's a fourth man that's walking and they're all loose. Isn't that something? Said he looks like the son of God walking in the midst of the fire. So hallelujah. That puts a little hope in my heart that brother, it don't matter if they bind us up and throw us in the fire. There'll be four of them in there, not three. There'll be somebody walking with us. He's not going to stand outside the furnace and watch you go through that. There'll be somebody in there going through the fire with you. And the Bible said he was able to protect them so much. Here's how much he protected them. And God's not promised anybody. We may all get sick. But what I'm saying is, is the Bible says when they come out of there, the Bible says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes. Now, that's amazing to me. I believe the Bible, that's not a picture. I believe that was literally, I believe they was a furnace. I believe they was thrown in there, and it was as hot it had killed anybody else but who God had his arms wrapped around. That's the way I believe it. Now, uh, anyhow, you believe it the way you want to, but verse number 15, For so is the will of God, and we're going to wrap this up, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And uh, I think that's a whole lot better off. You can go down through here. Uh, I was going to try to turn to these, but we'll just uh, not, we'll forgo that here. Uh, but Daniel was praised of Nebuchadnezzar. You have uh, Joseph being praised of Pharaoh who served well. And uh, I believe in our day, we're not going to, falter. We're not going to waver. We're not going to move on our convictions. If it's in this Bible, I'm going to stand on it if they throw us in a fire. Uh, But otherwise, I'm going to do my best to try to be a good citizen and try to be a good help to people who are scared to death of dying because they don't know God. And so I'm going to try to do that to give them a good testimony. And that's what we are trying our best to do, uh, to be a good testimony, to put the silence, the ignorance of people, 
who want to get on there and start World War Civil War Three uh, uh, over something you know that's not even uh, uh, in some ways it's trivial. Um, uh, so anyhow, I won't go into that. Uh, but now, for so is the will of God that you may put aside the ignorance of foolish men. And so last verse I want to deal with, and we'll be done. Verse number 16, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now, I've got to use this word. I did not realize this was the same word um, that may have been covered already in Romans chapter number 1. This is Paul also's favorite word uh, for servant. Uh, this is the Greek word doulos. This is a particular kind of servant, a particular kind of bond slave for Jesus. So he's saying we're free men. Uh, we are not under this government doesn't own me. God owns me. I don't work for them. And technically, I don't work for this church. I work for God. Uh, and so do you. You don't work for who your master is down here. Your only potentate is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you work for him, technically. Uh, but he wants us to be submitting ourselves to these things. And so you're free. But don't use that liberty uh, to thumb your nose up at God's ordained uh, things in earth and uh, cause yourself to look silly uh, and take up arms when there's not even a war to fight yet. And uh, I'm not so sure that's the war we're supposed to be fighting. I wish some people were as sold out as Christianity as they were the Republican Party. I wish they defended the Bible as much as they do the Second Amendment. In the South, people have a religion uh, uh, that they hold to uh, a whole lot dearer than they do the King James Bible. Uh, and so it's a bunch of tradition, and it's stuff God never promised us we'd have anyhow. Uh, some people uh, would shoot their way out when God said, submit yourselves to it. Uh, anyhow, I don't want to go into that. But as free men, don't use your liberty and your freedom, as I've called you out of this world, and you're not of the world, uh, as a cloak to cause in as a, uh, a way to hide your uh, uh, reasons for doing some of the things, to get out of doing certain things. And so, uh, but as the servants of God. So look quickly and we're done. Deuteronomy 16. Many of us know this. This is just a great blessing to me. <coughs> and I didn't realize this was the same word uh, that's used, that Paul uses often, but mainly, primarily in Romans 1. Uh, for this word servant. This is a particular kind of servant. This is uh, going to talk to us here about the bondman in the land of Egypt. Uh, and it's a particular kind of person. This is the person that me and you ought to be. This is a person so sold out to God, so bent by the his own will has been broken to the degree that he has no will of his own, but only that of his master. And that is the kind of Christian, uh, the kind of person uh, that God is, uh, Peter is exhorting us to be. We are free men. We're the Lord's servants. But look in verse in Deuteronomy 15. And look in, just to catch up, look in verse 12. Uh, let's see. No, let's see. Uh, let's just go to start in verse 13. When thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty, but furnish him liberally out of the flock and out of thy floor and out of thy wine press of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. 
So we know they can only be six years. In the seventh year, uh, they were to be let loose and they weren't to be sent away empty. They were to be sent away uh, with a fullness when they did leave because God said, uh, basically, you were a bondman in Egypt and I set you free and you didn't go out empty either. And so do unto others. So we ought to take note of that, shouldn't we? And how we treat other people. We got to remember at one time I was lost and in darkness. One time I was a, a, a sinner and a rebel and, and didn't have any understanding either. And so we ought to be kinder to other people than we are and not thumb our noses up at the lost world that's only reacting the way lost people know how to act. Uh, so anyhow, verse number 16, but if it shall be, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee because he loveth thee in thine house, because he is well with thee. Then thou shalt take an awl and thrust it through his ear under the door, and he shall be thy servant forever, and also unto thy maidservant thou shalt do likewise. And so before he goes out free, we know the setting here, but before this man was to be released on that seventh year, this medical year, uh, we know that he did have the option that he could say, look, I have experienced this master uh, to the degree that I think life would be much better uh, if I just serve him and do what he tells me to do. I don't want to go free. I think I'll just remain here and I'll serve him. Then there was a ceremony that he had to go through and they would walk him out uh, to the front part of the house and the front door there in front of the whole uh, community or what have you, especially in front of all the those that served that master in that household. And he would take them all and he would drive it through the ear into the doorpost and he would stand there all day. And so that at that point, uh, he would become basically the property of this master. The Bible said that he will serve thee, in verse 17, he shall be thy servant forever. And that's the kind of servants that me and you are. We are supposed to be servants that have so had our wheels and desires broken and so bent to the desires and the wheels of our master uh, that we have no will of our own. We're not uh, our own people to do what we want to do. We are the Lord's servants forever. Is that what it said there? He shall be the... So the only dissolving uh, thing to come into play here would be his death or the death of his master. And since he lived, and you live in him and he shall never die I don't see this contract ever being broken I don't see this ever dissolving we shall be the Lord's servants for all of eternity uh, we'll be because he shall always live and we're always going to live you I don't plan on dying anytime soon not spiritually I don't have a physical relationship with it it's a spiritual one right so we should be the Lord's free men but we don't use that freedom uh, to go spit in people's faces and thumb our nose up at everything and speak evil of dignities and do all those things. We are supposed to be uh, humble servants that love God, that are unwavering in our faith, that are holy and that have God and have peace in this world. Now, we got to be done. I've talked enough here. But uh, anyhow, this is uh, didn't get to, again, we're uh, wanting to go here. But so it's free. Don't use your liberty. Uh, cloak of militia, servants of God. We'll come back maybe Wednesday, verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And so that is something that we ought to take a special notice to do during this time. Uh, the Bible says, do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. 
And so I think that's talking about love the brotherhood. I think some people uh, believe that you ought to just, uh, uh, I don't think you should neglect the church in some attempt to reach a lost world. I don't think Jesus told us to do one thing at the neglect of another. And so he expects us to love everybody and he expects us. But if somebody's going to get neglected, let it not be God's church. And that's how I see it. People can disagree with that and they can, um, you know, talk about, you know, uh, the great uh, commandment, his last request and all of those things. And it's important. And we don't have to forsake one to do the other. You can love God's church and love sinners. You can do them both. And uh, that's what the Lord wants us to do. So we need to honor the king, honor the request that uh, we can so long as they don't cross the word of God. And then we are to love the brotherhood. That's hard to do apart from each other. 